Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show, and great to have you with us. So here we are, the most important, most consequential, absolutely existential midterm election one week away. Still hard to believe that the election that will decide the fate of the republic and the future of Marxism in America are only seven days out. I hope everybody's ready to make some history in this election. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm anxious. I'm eager to get in that polling booth and vote like our lives depend on the outcome because... The results of this election will shape our lives and those of our children and grandchildren for years to come. And God help us if the Marxist left tries to steal another election and gets away with it. So here's where we are, at least in the view of the latest polling. I'm more than pleased to tell you Republicans are in a strong position going into the election. The Trafalgar polls show Biden with a dismal approval rating. The Gallup CBS News YouGov polling reveals an electorate that is absolutely fed up with a country that's out of control and certainly fed up with a Democrat party that's in charge of the White House, the Senate, and Congress. Most Americans are being clobbered by high inflation, as we know, and high interest rates, and the economy is slowing. Talk of diesel shortages in just a few weeks. That would mean a disruption in almost every sector of our economy if it happens. And the bad news for the Dems is voters will hold them responsible for it all. 79% of voters say the country is headed in the wrong direction. 79%. The generic Congress poll shows Democrats' problems worsening. Republicans have opened up a seven-point lead. The real clear politics projection now is a Republican route. The GOP will take back the House with a margin of 30 to 50 seats if that projection proves true. And in the Senate, the RCP projection is GOP plus three. Folks, it appears right now there will indeed be a red wave this election cycle. And if so, it will mean that you and I voted. I hope you all will vote like our lives depend on the result because that's the fact. Our lives depend on winning this election outright. Our guest today is a great American, noted GOP political strategist, top pollster John McLaughlin of the McLaughlin Group. And John, welcome back to the Great America Show. Great to have you here. The numbers all look positive. They look good. Just how good will we have that red wave we all have been waiting for? Well, uh, it's it's. The red wave is not because the Republicans have done anything great as much as that the Democrats are are taking the country down a path we don't want to go. In our most recent national survey that we completed on October 17th, 65% of all voters said that the country's on the wrong track. If they were in that 65%, they said it's Joe Biden's fault, 67 to 25. Uh, and the Republicans are working on getting that up since then. 
Uh, in August, the generic vote was 45-45 for Congress. It was a tie. September is 48 Republican, 44 Democrat. Uh, this month, it's 49 Republican, 43 Democrat. Uh, that's, you know, the highest we've seen since probably 1994. Being an old man, I remember delivering a poll to Newt Gingrich and the House leadership, Bob Michael, that the Republicans were up seven in September of 94. And I said, I've never seen that before, but don't compromise with the Clintons and take, you know, ride the contract into a new majority. And they did. And, and what you've got this time is you've got 60 percent of the six out of 10 voters saying the country's in a recession. And when we asked them, is the economy getting uh, uh, worse or better? Only 26 percent said better. 67 percent said worse. What's really scary is that uh, when we asked about if people have been impacted by inflation, 85 percent said they had. You know, John, that is the most, to me, dramatic number in your poll uh, mm-hmm. to see that level of response to has inflation uh, affected your family. Uh, I mean, that's a stunning number. Yeah. And what's stunning about it is not just the, the breadth of the number of people affected by it and it is the number one issue, but it's 47 percent of all Americans saying that they've been impacted so much that they're cutting back or it's affecting basic necessities. So, you know, this is, you know, and Biden, he's, he's running the strategic oil reserves down to zero to keep the price low. And he's begging the Saudis and Venezuelans for gas and oil. And it's a disgrace, but, but the bad part is it's the cost of food. It's the cost of essentials. It's utility bills. It's trying to make their rent. And, you know, when 47% of all Americans say it's affecting so that they're struggling to meet basic necessities, that's a crisis. If you don't mind, I'd like to, while you're here, I'd like to, everybody have an, an opportunity uh, to see and and hear you on exactly what is happening and why on a love, on a broad range of, of issues. I want to talk and and put it in context. I want to see two big states, Pennsylvania and and New York, what's Mm -hmm. happening there. Uh, And in New York, Lee Zeldin, uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, running for governor, has Mm -hmm. now pulled ahead in the latest polling uh, ahead of his Democrat incumbent opponent. Uh, And and let's just listen to part of the debate between the two, Hochul. And Zeldin, here is Zeldin. My opponent still can't finish the sentence. You can't expect her to ever fix it. But New York leads the entire nation in population loss because. She actually got asked this question by the media a few weeks ago when she was at Binghamton Airport. She probably would love to have a redo because she messed it up that time. For me, you ask me, why does New York lead the entire nation in population loss? Because their wallets, their safety, their freedom, and their quality of their kids' education are under attack. So they're hitting their breaking point. They're looking at other states like the Carolinas, Tennessee, Texas, Florida, and elsewhere, and they feel like their money will go further, they'll feel safer, and they'll live life freer. This state is at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads in 1994 when New York elected George Pataki, and we're at a crossroads right now. But as far as what happens with Kathy Hochul and one-party rule for four more years, outsized power of self-described socialists, we need balance and common sense restored to Albany. That was a summation of why New Yorkers should elect Lee Zeldin, uh, uh, the best summation I have heard from any candidate uh, or 
since, uh, frankly, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, it was brilliant. It was uh, terrific. Your response? Well, I, full disclosure, I work for Lee, and I've always worked for Lee since he ran for Congress uh, in 2008. He wasn't successful, but he stuck with it. And you've got a person who's on a mission where, I mean, this is a this is a person who volunteered to serve in Iraq after he was done with college. And uh, he did go in the, in the Army Airborne and he did serve. And uh, he came back and he wanted to get involved in public service, and he has. And, uh, you know, he ran on a, ran in a race for Congress in 2008. He wasn't going to win. He knew it from the polling. I don't think he believed my polls. He was trying to win. And he ended up eventually getting elected to state Senate there and then winning that seat for Congress in 2014. And uh, he's been a part of change ever since then. And when Andrew Cuomo was governor, uh, Lee got into the race and people said, you can't win. And he said, well, the state's going in the wrong direction. I'm going to run and I'm going to try to, you know, win this race. And he challenged Cuomo and, you know, Cuomo got caught with scandals and other things that were wrong. And uh, he's been on a mission to repeal cashless bail, fire Alvin Bragg, turn things around. You've got a crime crisis in New York. You've got an economic crisis in New York. You have their schools, the kids have fallen behind, and you've got a, the immigration crisis has come to New York that Eric Adams can't handle. It. And Lee's on a mission to fix all these things, what he calls to save our state. So uh, I know from the polls that we're in a dead heat right now. I know some polls have us a little ahead. We have us, you know, slightly behind. But Hulkel, the uh, sitting governor, is under 50%. I wish the election was tomorrow, but... Uh, there's a lot of Democrats that are leaving the Democrat Party to vote for Lee Zeldin. And well, one, one would think that that would be a natural reflex to what all ails New York. Uh, New York, as Lee Zeldin said, one party rule. Uh, this is a disaster what the Democrats have done to New York, just as not perhaps as large as the da- disaster uh, that Biden has done to the United States. But that's only a matter of scale and, and, and difference. I, I want to cut to uh, uh, to Pennsylvania, where the, another debate, uh, Oz, Dr. Oz, running against John Fetterman, uh, impaired, obviously unable, unfit uh, to to stand for office. But the Dems, as we know, given Biden and everything else, uh, are not in any way hesitant to put up uh, a man who is really in terrible shape. But here is Dr. Oz responding to John Fetterman. We have a catastrophe at the border and we should not have sanctuary cities as John Fetterman has tried to introduce. But I've been into the parts of Philadelphia and Allentown and Reading where we have large Latino populations. I understand the challenges of the of the border. My father was an immigrant. My mother were immigrants. You know, I understand what legal immigration offers us, but the completely a porous, open nature of our border, which John Fetterman supports, has created a humanitarian crisis with cartels profiting, with human trafficking operations. They take the money, they buy narcotics from China and bring that into our country, and it's making every state a border state. Pennsylvania is already a border state because we're top three in the country in fentanyl overdoses. At least I can't go anywhere where I'm giving a big event where I don't meet multiple people who say their personal lives have been destroyed because of fentanyl overdoses. Yet John Fetterman not only wants an open border, not only supports sanctuary cities, but he wants to legalize all hard drugs in America, including narcotics. That is 
I mean, yeah. out of touch with yeah. everybody. That radical position was tried in Oregon, which he endorsed. Fifty yeah. percent homicide increase rate. Oh. And there it is uh, again, uh, a terrific, a terrific summation uh, of positions and the consequence of the following the opponent's policies. Uh, your thoughts? I, I am going to. I want everybody to hear John Fetterman too, because uh, I've used some strong words: uh, impaired, uh, unfit. Uh, here is John Fetterman on the issue of uh, support, uh, supporting tracking, uh, and the confusion in his in his record on the issue. Here we go. No, I absolutely support fracking. In fact, I live across the street from a, the, a steel mill, and they were going to frack to create their own energy in order to make them more competitive. And I support that, living closer to anybody else in Pennsylvania for fracking to myself. I believe that we need independence with energy, and I believe I've walked that line my entire career. I believe Democrats... Mr. Mr. Fetterman, I do have a specific question, which you can continue on this topic, but you have made two conflicting statements regarding fracking. In a 2018 interview, you said, quote, I don't support fracking at all. I never have. But earlier this month, you told an interviewer, quote, I support fracking. I support the energy independence that we should have here in the United States. So, Mr. Fetterman, please explain your changing position. 60 seconds. Uh, I've, I've always supported fracking. He's always supported fracking. I mean, it's it, it's it's sad. It is very sad. And uh, again, I'm not going to play here uh, the sound that is so difficult for anyone to watch because this is a man in in poor health uh, who is being exploited by his own political party. And in my judgment, uh, his family bears some responsibility in this as well. Uh, this is uh, this is inhumane what they are doing to him as a candidate and and it's an obscenity what the Mar the Marxist Dem Democrat Party is trying to do to the people of Pennsylvania. Uh, your thoughts, John? Well, it's not a surprise considering that they've got Biden as our president. Six out of ten voters in the United States think he needs to go for a cognitive test and make it public. And uh, so with John Fetterman, they're just taking it to a new level. And, and the difference between Fetterman and you know, certainly we, we, we wish him well and we wish him to stay healthy. But the difference is he's got these radical policies. The story is not his health. The story is when he was well, what was he thinking of when he said they should release a thousand a third of these uh, uh, violent criminals out of the Pennsylvania jails? Why did he support this thing? And look at what's going on in Philadelphia. Look what's going on uh, throughout Pennsylvania, as well as the rest of the country, when you let violent criminals out of jail. I mean, the Pen Wawa, who was headquartered in Philadelphia, is closing stores because they can't keep it safe. They're getting looted by mobs. And, you know, this is the kind of policy that this guy's in favor of. And whether it's fracking, where he would shut down a billion dollar industry in, in Pennsylvania, something that's vitally needed right now as Russia becomes the, uh, supplier of oil and gas for Europe as they, you know, promulgate a war in Ukraine and kill thousands of people. Um, you know, Biden talks a good game. Fetterman talks a good game. But then they don't up the oil and gas production that would actually starve Putin of the money he needs to uh, per persecute his, you know, prosecute his war. So, um, we had we had a poll last last week where, that we did for Dick Morris and John Jordan, who published it on Newsmax. 
that we had Oz moving a point ahead among likely voters. So it was already moving. And this debate should just be the closing argument on John Fetterman for the Senate and uh, should seal the fate of the that Senate seat for the Democrats that it belongs to the Republicans because they're wrong on the issues and uh, they would do damage to America. So uh, um, so what, what, what's the best part about what's going on in the election right now is the Marxist radical Democrats who took over their party from these, from the moderate Democrats are being exposed. And uh, they're, they're wrong on so many issues, whether it's the economy and inflation, whether it's crime uh, and, you know, being pro-criminal instead of pro-police, whether it's the border and security, uh, whether it's uh, keeping America strong in the world so that we could, you know, promote peace and not, uh, be subject to like dictators like Putin or, or, uh, elsewhere in the world, uh, terrorists, uh, like from Iran. I mean, let's expose these Democrats and beat them on the issues. Yeah. One hopes that, uh, at this point, people understand who Joe Biden is and what he is not and a fully capable president. He is not and a puppet. He is of the Marxist Dems, uh, and the party they control, as you say, uh, I, I want to, also point out something about what's happening in Pennsylvania and get your reaction to early voting, mail-in balloting, absentee balloting, because we now know a million people have already had already voted when Dr. Oz and John Fetterman held their first, last, and only debate, which should have made a clear-cut statement in favor of Dr. Oz, anyone who cares about the, the future of their children uh, and, their, and, their, and their quality of life. Uh, that should have been clear as a result of last night's debate. A million votes already cast in Pennsylvania. How could it be? And your reaction? Well, it's dangerous because I mean, during COVID, on the you know, the the, the Democrats, led by their governor and uh, their Secretary of State, uh, Governor Wolf, passed a law called Act Seventy Seven, and the Republicans went along with it because they didn't want to be perceived as being, you know, intolerant during COVID times or whatever, but it allowed the paper ballots and what they call curing of ballots, um, where they can go back and a ballot that wasn't filled out properly, they can correct it and uh, count it because they knew they were banking votes against Republicans. And a lot of other states have fixed those laws, like Wisconsin, the Supreme Court, ruled four to three, even though the media says there's a big lie out there. No, there's there's evidence, and the Supreme Court of Wisconsin threw out uh, that law that allowed people to say they were permanently disabled when they weren't, and they were getting absentee ballots. And granted, there's been no remedy for the 2020 presidential race, but it's not going to happen this year to defeat Ron Johnson. In Georgia, finally, the, the Republicans woke up after the election because Governor Kemp didn't call a special session after their election and why they agreed to the consent, consent order, I had no idea. But that allowed the unsecured drop boxes was hundreds of thousands of ballots that had no chain of custody record and enabled ballot harvesting. That's been proven in different documentaries. But in Georgia, the, the state legislature we work for, the majority, corrected the law. So whether you vote by absentee or in person, you need a voter ID. Um, there's no excuse absentees. And the drop boxes are now secured. They're in government buildings that 
require you to go, you know, that you can only drop in one ballot, et cetera. So they're, they're being watched. And, uh, you know, no one has said their civil rights were un, unlike Stacey Abrams talks about or uh, uh, yes. Warnock. No one has said their civil rights were deprived and they're being allowed to vote and they're showing up in record numbers. And because Georgia is a civil rights state uh, that has to keep records of how people vote based on statistics of, you know, uh, race and age, 33 percent of the vote right now is African-American. So they're you know, it's an honest election now. And, you know, the Democrats are taking advantage of it. And the Republicans will take advantage of it. a lot of Republicans wait till Election Day still. But it's a it's a race that Herschel Walker can win. And the polls are showing that it's, you know, neck and neck, whether he's up to or down to. Uh, that's a close race. And they, they keep on throwing every 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 uh, character attack you can imagine at Herschel. And he's still standing because Warnock is voting with Biden for all these failed policies. And yeah. and Governor Kemp's leading uh, Stacey Abrams decisively. So, um, so you know, Pennsylvania, they should have fixed that law and they haven't done it. And that's a problem well, because you still have a Democrat governor there. And the Pennsylvania Democrat officials mailed out, the, the Democrat election officials bailed out, 240,000 ballots to unverified voters. Uh, they now say it's 255,000 voters, according, again, to the uh, Gateway Pundit. Uh, I, I mean, what in the world is the Republican Party doing? And I, and I know that the RNC is a fundraising mechanism and an opportunity for the uh, top officials of that organization to get rich. But the reality is, the reality is, uh, We've got to we've got to break up that mess that we call an RNC because they've let this happen. The state organization is obviously a disaster. This is our future being. Uh, this is not something that should be tolerated by the Republican Party of any state, but particularly a state with the number of electoral votes uh, that it holds uh, and the consequence for the entire nation. Right. No, I agree with you. And the Republican, you know, I, I, you know, I, I. I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because I've been saying all along that in 2020 uh, they let us down in terms of, you know, pr- protecting the ballot integrity that year. Yeah. And since then, they still haven't filed any complaint against the Zuckerberg drop boxes or the uh, use of uh, tax deductible doc- dollars for partisan voting activities because they certainly targeted their efforts that was tax deductible by uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg and yeah. his foundation. It was tax deductible. They got a break. They spent hundreds of millions of dollars and they targeted it in Democrat areas to drive out a partisan Democrat vote. So no one's filed an IRS complaint. No one's filed an FEC complaint. And, and you know, granted, they have changed some laws and they have gone after laws, but so much more needs to be done. You know, it's it's. I wish the election was tomorrow because our Republicans are fired up to go vote. There's a lot of Democrats that are breaking from their party. Independents are overwhelmingly with us. I think that they will exceed even even their conduct in 2020. Uh, but I, I'm just I'm at a loss to understand two things about the Republican Party right now, and that is their toleration of two leaders, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Minority Leader. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, 
<laughs> we're being told everything's fine because they understand they're going to have to do what the uh, party says if, if we uh, win back the House and the Senate. Uh, we're in the position of tolerating two rhinos, two Democrats with an R by their name instead of a D, as the leaders of a more conservative uh, and, and more moderate uh, Republican Party. I mean, this is nuts what's happening, and I don't get it. And we're putting up with uh, a Republican National Committee that is filled with people who seem to want to uh, give this over to the Democrats. How can this be tolerated, and how can they be removed? Well, I tell you, first of all, I, I kind of, uh, I'm I'm just working for my candidates to get them elected because I know there's a lot of good pro-Trump, pro-conservative yeah, Republicans that are running. If we thought we elected in the wave years of 2010 or 1994, if we thought we elected a good uh, conservative crop uh, of elected officials, I think we're going to see the types of candidates who are elected now more in touch with the mainstream of America, more in touch with the majority, what they want to do, whether it's immigration, whether it's uh, crime, whether it's taxes and the economy, various groups. And I'm like, you know, I'm telling people, if you want to give to somebody, give to them directly. And, uh, you know, we've got to get them elected. Once the election happens, if we elect as many of these candidates as we have to control the Senate, not, you know, and, and by the way, the House, uh, like I said, we have that Republicans up 49, 43. That means we would probably gain between 40 and 50 seats. You gain between 40 and 50 seats. That caucus, when they meet, they're gonna they're gonna elect some pretty conservative, uh, strong pro-Trump, uh, you know, leaders. And uh, the Senate races, I, you know, right now, Oz looks like he's gonna win Pennsylvania. It looks like we're gonna win North Carolina. It looks like we're gonna win uh, in Wisconsin. But right now, it doesn't look like the Republicans are gonna lose any Senate seats in Alaska. Uh, the Republican Party has has. You know, it's a com it's a contest not between a Democrat and Republican, it's between Murkowski, Senator Murkowski and Trump's endorsed candidate Kelly Shabaka. So that's a different one. But we control the Senate. Um, you know, then it's up to the senators to pick their leader. And uh let's get as many of them as elected as possible so that they can pick the right leadership. So uh yeah. right now I, I, I'm not looking past November 8th. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm with you. I advise my candidates what they need to do to beat the Biden Democrats, and then we go from there. I, I'm sitting here uh, looking at uh, November 8th, and I just can't wait to get there uh, because the sooner we do, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to lock up the barn and not have any, uh, <laughs> any uh, breakaways, I'll put it that way. Uh, this is a Senate minority leader, though I think we have to explain uh, whether whether it is in New Hampshire, whether it is in Alaska, supporting the the Democratic opposition to Republican candidates. Uh, this is insane what Mitch McConnell has done. And no one wants to raise their voice above a whisper when they talk about this madness on the part of McConnell. Why is that? Well, it's because, first of all, there's a uh, certainly the Senate, he is the Senate leader and controls the, the campaign funds with Rick Scott uh, for the Senate committee. And then uh, at the same time, you have the Senate leadership fund that puts in millions of dollars extra to offset what the Democrats are doing, what Schumer's doing. 
So, uh, uh, so you know, there's a lot of resources that they control. But right now, I think, you know, I think the voters, the, the, the battlefield is widening because uh, it's not just the four Democrat incumbents who are in trouble. It appears that Laxalt's ahead in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, over Cortez Masto. That's all the polls seem to agree on that. It's not a big lead, but it's a lead. Uh, Mark Kelly's in trouble in Arizona. Blake Masters is, is right behind him. Uh, Herschel Walker and Warnock are virtually tied in the polls, you know, and there could be a runoff in Georgia after, after November 8th. And, and in fact, Warnock did some ad where he saying that they don't want to go to Thanksgiving with another election. I was like, it's a turkey of an end. So the turkey came <laughs> before, before Thanksgiving. But it, By the way, John, John, that's the worst pun of the entire campaign year that, that I've heard to this point, but I like it. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's like when, you look, when I looked at the ad, I'm like, for the Democrats to, to be begging for 50.1% for him before Thanksgiving, it's, a, it's like that's just not good. That they're in trouble, and then uh, uh, and then you've then you've got Bulldog, uh, General Bulldog in New Hampshire, uh, you know, right behind uh, Maggie Hassan, the, the Democrat senator, in New Hampshire. New Hampshire, if she's polling in the forties, she she's very beatable. And Sununu, the governor, is appears headed for re-election decisively. So, you know, it, it's it's very likely that the Republicans could not just have you know, 51, 52 seats, they could have more. And you have uh, candidates that could win for the Republicans in Washington State, in uh, in Colorado, and Leora Levy could win in Connecticut because Blumenthal, most voters in Connecticut think he's a liar. So, uh, um, Well, we know he's a liar. Yeah. So they must be thinking something in addition to the fact that he's a liar. Well, he, well that it, his lies have affected them at this point. <laughs> Right now, what everybody has to be focused on is getting, you know, making sure they vote, making sure their friends and family and that, that think like they do, they vote. Because even though 160 million people voted in the 2020 presidential race, turnout won't be as high this time. In 2018, it was 118 million. In 2014, which was a good Republican year, it was only 83 million. So you got tens of millions of voters deciding not just who they're going to vote for right now, deciding whether they're going to vote or not. And uh, we need to make sure those who would vote with us, if they really want change, whether it's for Lee Zeldin as governor of New York, Dan Cassius bail to stop the crime wave, to stop the exodus of people. I mean, the only people that Kathy Hochul doesn't want to leave New York are the Buffalo Bills. And she gave them a billion of tax dollars. But the way she's headed, there'll be nobody in the stands watching the game because everybody else is leaving upstate New York. Or you, you've given me a you've given me a, a, a segue, so I'm going to take it because uh, I'd I'd like to bring in uh, uh, what John is talking about. This is Lee Zeldin again in that debate, talking about why people are leaving New York State, uh, and putting it straightforwardly uh, on local and the one-party rule that has been in charge of New York for way too long. Uh, here is Lee Zeldin. 
And you, you have people who are afraid of being pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're being stabbed, beaten to death on the street with hammers. Go talk to the Asian American community and how it's impact them with the loss of lives. Jewish people targeted with raw, violent anti-Semitism on our streets. It just happened yet again. We need to be talking about all of these other crimes, but instead, Kathy Hochul's too busy patting herself on the back. Job well done. No, actually, right now, there should be a special session. The state legislature should come back and they should overhaul Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws with zero tolerance. But they're saying, elect me. She says, elect me, and then you'll find out where maybe I'll stand on this issue in January. Lee Zeldin running to unseat Kathy Hochul, the incumbent Democrat, uh, and uh, God bless him and Godspeed. Uh, we need him uh, in New York. I, I, I take your point. Uh, it is time to everybody to come together. But what, I, I have to ask you this, and then I'll get off the issue of leadership of the Republican Party, I promise you. Have you ever seen another majority leader in either part, in either either house, the Senate or the House, actually finance opponents to the Republican Party candidates? Uh, I, I, right now, all I know is that that my candidates are being supported by, you know, by the leadership, but they have no choice because we won the primaries. So my job now is to make sure they win in November, and that's all I'm focused on. I appreciate your candor, John, and I understand your your reticence on certain issues. So let, let's let's go forward and take a look at your poll because it's really critically important for everybody to understand what is happening. Uh, putting the blame squarely on Joe Biden uh, for the United States. Two-thirds saying that the country's moving in the wrong direction. Guess what? Two-thirds say it's all, all Joe Biden. Not all, but it's Joe Biden's fault primarily that the United States is on the wrong track. To me, the, that that should spell doom for the Democrats in and of itself. Uh, the generic ballot, as you point out, it's widened to six points under, under your polling, uh, in your polling. Uh, that That's impressive. And the job rating, Biden is underwater. No one thinks he's fit for office. Yeah. And his policies are vicious. And what in the world are we looking at here in terms of impact on November 8th and all of these senatorial and uh, House races that are so critically important, as well as governorships and state legislatures around the country? Well, Joe Biden will be in a lot more Republican ads than he will be Democrat ads. And I'm hoping he comes in and campaigns for all our opponents. Uh, so it's, it's you know, it's, it's the guy has failed. And, you know, but. You know, the, 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 that question about whose fault it is, it was only 67% of those who thought it was 65% wrong track. So that's still in the 40s. We still have room to grow. Some of the people aren't getting the message because some people still believe it's Putin's fault that gas is so high, not Joe Biden. Some people still believe that, you know, that the economy is slowed because of pressures about inflation that they don't control i mean it that so so we still have a debate to commence that is really important in terms of why this country's on the wrong track why these policies are failing and that it is joe biden and the democrats fault and there's so many things that these democrats voted for that the mainstream media which should be the left-wing media of the democrat party the socialist party right. they don't they don't tell us. And the only way you find out is candidates running ads and getting the message out during the campaign and 
people using social media when they don't get censored. So, uh, so we've got, we've got 13 days to keep pounding. I mean, we, we've got to pound this, this home until November 8th. You are focused on November 8th. I'm focused on what looks in your poll to be, uh, to me, nothing but good news for the Republican Party and nothing but bad news, awful news for the Democrat Party. You say there's room to run. Uh, I would guess there is. I, I, I'd like to get from you, though, your, your, if you will, your summarization of what you think is the likely outcome, uh, where you see the this election headed. Are we talking about a red wave? Are we talking about a tsunami? Are we talking about the prospect of uh, the Democrats coming up with another steal? Uh, how important is turnout? I would guess the answer would be very uh, and immeasurably important. Uh, give us your, give us your sense how this is going to look on November nine. I mean, today, you know, today it should be if the election was held today, the Republicans would gain forty fifty seats in the House someplace in that range. Uh, most of the toss-ups are actually Rep- Democrat seats. We'd win those. We'd win all the ones leaning Republican, all the ones, uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, tilting Republican. And we'd pick up some that lean Democrat we'd, we'd win today. Uh, even people like Sean Patrick Maloney, who is Nancy Pelosi's campaign manager for the Democrats in the House, he's losing to Mike Lawler. Uh, but, you know, when you think about the races that we could pick up, you know, in 2012, everybody thought Mitt Romney was going to be president. He was running ahead in all the polls, you know, like a, a, a week a, over a week out. And a lot of the Republicans stopped polling going into that weekend. And guess what happened? You had Hurricane Sandy hit most of the East Coast. Some states like Connecticut, New York, New Jersey couldn't even poll in because the phones were out. The electricity was out. Obama takes advantage of it. Mitt Romney flies over those states because he doesn't think they're in play. Obama comes in, hugs Chris Christie, and the next thing you know, on Sunday he goes ahead in the polls, and Monday he's ahead in the polls, and he ekes out a victory in 2012. Yeah. Um, and Romney could have easily come into New York, said how terrible this was, like the Democrats did with Katrina, and he didn't do it. And, he, you know, so here you've got a situation where you know, right now it looks really good. I don't see any hurricanes coming, but the Democrats can uh, maybe, you know, steal some races from us that we should win and and minimize our success that we we only win the House by a handful and we don't take as many Senate races as we should. So, you know, we've got to run like we're behind every day until the polls close. And then even after the polls close, we now know that we have to make sure that the elections were honest and the ballots that are being cast are legitimate and we can't allow the Democrats to, uh, uh, you know, change the rules uh, after the election happens. So, so right now, you know, right now it looks pretty good, but the election is not tomorrow. It's over a week from tomorrow. So I, I've never asked you this question, but the bounce in the polls that Obama got in 2012 in that final week, I mean, it was dramatic. It was dramatic. Uh, how manufactured was that, and how much of it was real? Oh, it was real. It, it was the the polls, the bounce he got in the polls. I mean, he was losing in most polls uh, 
but a lot of places, you know, they, they stop polling Wednesday, Thursday before the election. Right. And then, you know, uh, nobody was, you know, some, the media national polls that were, that were out there actually had Obama go ahead on Sunday and Monday. And I don't think it was manufactured. I think, I think the Republicans, you know, got fat and confident and they thought they were going to win. And until the exit polls hit them on election night, you know, I heard stories from people that were up in Massachusetts waiting to celebrate Mitt Romney's victory. And I, I wasn't a part of that campaign. And, you know, I was one of these outcasts eventually ended up with Donald Trump, but, uh, in 2016, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I, you know, they, they thought they were going to win and they didn't see it coming. And, uh, you know, in an age of social media and electronic communications, I mean, Obama's people pioneered it on Facebook back then in, in 2008 and 2012. And you've got, you know, things that can happen in one state, uh, you know, end up on the Internet throughout the country in a matter of uh, nanoseconds. So uh, so right. So right now, I don't you know, I, I I'm not I'm not taking anything for granted. I'm keeping my candidates staying on offense, running like they're behind right and through till election day. Good for you. And I think that's the only posture to, to, to assume, uh, especially in these dire moments in which we live. I, I want to ask further, if, if you will, what, what do you look, when you see executive order, uh, what is it? One oh one four nine, I believe that is. I, I'm not sure of the exact number. The the March twenty first executive order by Biden, putting the federal government, uh, making them responsible for get out the vote. Uh, how much of an influence will that have on the election? In your opinion, has there been a Republican response to it? Um, I, I'm not a lawyer, but I've had you know lots of friends and people in campaigns that are concerned about it and keeping an eye on it right now, because uh, we are very concerned that they're going to pull some sort of stunt uh, that would, uh, uh, that would affect the election. So, uh, you know, right now we just got to be vigilant that the, the Merrick Garland led justice department doesn't do anything other than make sure the election is safe, honest, and uh, you know, fair. So it's like, uh, you know, safe, honest, and legal, just, just, you know, let's let's have the election, let people that are eligible to vote. Most states have voter ID. New York doesn't. Uh, Georgia does. Um, you know, we let's let's make sure those who are legitimate citizens are able to vote and uh, no one else. So, you know, uh, right now, I, right now, I, we're just waiting to see. We don't control this. They're, they're in charge. So absolutely. Uh, John, we always give our guests the last word, as you know, uh, your concluding thoughts and uh, we appreciate all of your time today. You know, the, this is probably the most important election we've seen in a long time, because if we do not succeed on November 8th, um, a lot of things will change permanently in the country. If the, if the Democrats are able to keep their house majority, if they're able to keep their Senate majority, um, the inflation we're seeing, the weakness we're seeing, the lawlessness on the border, the, you know, fentanyl and who knows who's coming into the country it's going to continue and there'll be irreparable damage done to america so november 8th if you if you want to vote early you should vote early if you want to vote uh on election day vote on election day but but we need to vote to make sure that this country and uh uh the 
you know, the, the, the basically democracy and freedoms that we love stay intact. So uh, I'd urge all your listeners to make sure not only they vote, but also their family and friends vote, because this is probably the most consequential election we have seen in our lifetime. Amen. John McLaughlin, thanks for being with us here on The Great America Show. We appreciate it so much and all you do. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too, Lou. The days are counting down and quickly. Let's save the republic, folks. Please remember to vote, please. And here tomorrow, our guest will be a great American running for governor of Minnesota, Scott Jensen. Dr. Jensen is a physician who's not a politician, but a man who means to make a difference for the people of Minnesota. I think you'll find Dr. Jensen to be a very interesting fellow, a fellow who I think will make a great governor of Minnesota. Please join us here tomorrow on The Great America Show. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.